You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. Today, we're talking with Pamela Rosaire from Rosaire's Royal Racers. It's a little bit of a tongue twister there. Her family has been running pig races in this industry for just about 35 years. She joins us today from Sarasota, Florida. Pam, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you this morning? I'm amazing. I'm actually happy to be back out on the road. Um, it's March 18th when we're recording this. I'm down here at the Okeechobee County Fair. I'm helping out Kyle Palmer with his Max Robot. Just kind of after everything that's happened, it's nice to be back out and see the Ferris wheel lit up. You know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. We just worked in uh, Osceola County over there in Kissimmee after a year, and it was like a breath of fresh air. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you on the show today. There's a lot of pig racers in the industry. Can you tell us about Rosaire's Royal Racers? What makes you guys different? Um, so we've been doing it for a long time, which there's a, there's a handful of us out there that have been doing it for around the same amount of time, uh, about 30 years. To my knowledge, there were about three when my dad started um, back in the day. But right now, there's a lot more than three. I, I could probably name 10 or 12 off the top of my head. Uh, we don't work with anybody, obviously, because you're not booking two pig races at the same event. Um, so unfortunately I don't ever get to actually know anybody else in the pig racing industry, uh, but we're a little different because of our style for one. Um, a lot of other pig races are a little more country, uh, you know, overalls kind of hee-haw cause they're pigs at the farm. Yeah, I get that. Uh, we're a little different. We're a little more like NASCAR, Kentucky Derby style, like a weird Frankenstein of those two. Um, we also have. Uh, quite a few breeds. We have usually three or four different breeds of pigs. We carry 15 or 20 pigs with us and we're kind of large. We, we take up like a footprint of about a hundred by a hundred without seating. So we, we have kind of a bigger pig that race. Is a pretty, but... It is a pretty good size. What are, what are the, what's the average pig race typically take up at like 60 by 40, something like that? Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit smaller. Um, and that's, I mean, my dad, I'm using the same racetrack that my dad built in 1990. So we've been that size forever. <laughs> um, I, was yeah. I was 11. <laughs> I was unborn. <laughs> you hadn't even made it into the scene yet. Oh my God. Uh, See, yeah. as soon as I, as soon as I was like, I'm going to say I was 11. I'm like, he is going to one up me. And you did big <laughs> time. Fair. Yeah. So what's it? What's a typical route look like for you? How many days do you guys typically do in a year? Um, honestly, I couldn't even tell you on single days. Uh, but we usually leave in. Well, we do a little bit of spring winter work, uh, January into April, one or two, three events here and there. We don't do much in the winter. We try to take a little time off that time of year. Um, but then starting in the end of April, beginning of May, until mid to late November, we're gone. We stay on the East Coast primarily. Uh, we're based out of here in Sarasota, and we'll go as far north as Vermont, not because we wouldn't go further, just because we've had the same route for 35 years. So we just, we trickle, well, we head north, work up there, and then trickle back down south by, you know, before Christmas, and we're home for the holidays, and then all over again. So you've had the same route. How, much, how many new fares do you pick up in an average year, or is it really the same thing year in, year out? 
honestly, unless it's a leap year, um, because then, you know, dates overlap each other and then it's more of a mess. I mean, maybe we'll pick up like a festival or something, one or two, maybe a year, those kind of come and go. Um, so you guys but they're are more just like locked filler. in. You just locked yeah. in. Literally, that must be nice. Would... That must be so nice. <laughs> it is. It's sometimes it's bittersweet. Sometimes I, I'm a little bummed because I'm like, man, we we never see anywhere new. We, but then on the other hand, I know where I'm going. I know the towns. We get there. Nobody has to be on the fairgrounds. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can roll in at four in the morning and get on location and park and hook up power and water. And the next day they're like, oh, good to see you. See you at the end. Like we just roll in and roll out. But yeah, probably repeat fair wise. Um, 98% of our route we've been doing for over 15 years, if not longer. That's impressive. Uh, that's very <laughs> impressive. I mean, especially, you know, that's coming from me as a grounds act who I might have two or three that repeat year to year, but the, our grounds acts just get rotated. You know, a fair might say, we'll take you on a two year or three year deal like tops. It's, it's mm -hmm. increasingly rare that you find, find acts that are just 10, 12, 15, 20 years, unless you're up at Washington state fair, in which case, you know, the, they just go, it's the same. It, the grounds acts there are the grounds acts there. It's very rare that anybody yeah. else comes in, but yeah, we rotate so much, which is kind of nice because then you see different areas, but it does mess with the routing. I mean, there's years that I'm like, I go out for six or eight weeks and I'm like, wow, I did five fairs and they just went, you know, two to five hour jumps between each. And then there's times uh, that I start in, in Costa Mesa, California, and I got to go to Illinois and then go to Maryland and then go to Texas. And I started yeah. going, well, that's a good thing I got all these fares because one of them is going to have to pay for all of the gas costs because it gets ridiculous. No, that's true. We, um, you know, that's something funny too about our route because we've been doing the same or close to the same route for so long. We've been able to get our routing really well done. We start in Florida, then we go to the Carolinas, then we make one big jump up into like Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And then from there, we stay in the Northeast until the fall. And then we literally trickle back down. It goes New York. And then we head back down uh, into Virginia and then Georgia and then, or no, then the Carolinas and Georgia. So it's really well routed. We, we only do 5,000 miles a year. <laughs> I know the Which listeners I can't see my face right now, but when she said <laughs> we only do 5,000 miles a year, I'm just looking at her like, mm-hmm. And that must be nice. You know, Kevin and, and Kristen with Lady Houdini tell me the same thing. He showed me one a couple of years ago, I think 2018, 2019. He's like, oh, yeah, I did like, you know, 6,000 miles total this year. And I'm like, really? I'm out nice. here doing like 14, 15, 16,000 miles back zigzagging across the country. I, yeah. I just I, if only I could fly, play with Giants and Conjurer and do it effectively, then I would do that. But the routes are, yeah. the routes are important. So listen, what attracted you to the industry? Obviously you grew up in it, but you weren't one of these kids that said, Oh no, I'm out of the family business. I'm going to go be a lawyer or go do something else. You stuck with it. What kept you in? That's true. So I don't know. It sounds corny or cheesy, but my family is entertainment for nine generations, a uh, circus family from England. And so I, I always like chalk it up to, Oh, it's in my blood. You know, but I really think that's a thing. Like, I think because every part and aspect of my life growing up was entertainment from the time I was little, I was involved in the show as soon as I could walk and I could be out there. They let me help out in the show. I started announcing when I was 12. I started 
work. I, I don't know how to word it for listeners. I started handling the pigs in the show, being the animal handler at six. I trained somebody else when my mom was pregnant. I had to leave with my mom or my sister. I trained somebody else. I'm not joking, not exaggerating to actually handle the pigs, to, to race them, to get them into the starting gate and do all that, which is, it's a, it's a process. You can't just go in there and expect to know what to do. Trained an adult man how to do that to help my dad. When and you I was were seven six, and a half. you were, you were seven and a half when you did that. You're so you're yeah. a little, you're a little blonde thing <laughs> running around those, all the pigs is big old semi tractors that you're pulling. And you're like, listen, mister, this yeah. is I'm how like, you no, 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 no focus. You have to use this gate first and then this gate. Otherwise you're going to mess them up. Like, like really, I was a bossy little rat, but <laughs> um no it's true so how many animals yeah, and do then, you guys travel with um usually 15 sometimes 20 depending on their age that when we start the season um because our road facilities can only handle uh pigs until they're up to a year not pot belly pigs because we race vietnamese pot bellies as well and we have them their entire lifespan on the road because they top out at three or four hundred pounds but the domesticated farm pigs um, they grow really, really rapidly. And so mm. once they're about a year, they're too big for a road facility. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we're talking about little bitty pigs. That's something where we differentiate too from a lot of other pig races is our facilities on the road can handle big pigs. When I say mm. we can't go past a certain size, I'm talking about each individual farm pig is, you know, 160 pounds, which yep. not to get sad but most of them go to slaughter way before they reach that age like if you're talking about meat pigs so we have some of the larger pigs on the road most people keep little babies for five months or whatever and then are rotating them out more often but got it got it now i'm curious when you're traveling i know we spoke with david feemster who also does the hot dog racing pigs up there in in the northeast um what what kind of because he shared that there's some real challenges with transporting pigs as far as regulations go, is it different here in Florida versus when you get out on the road and what the regulations are when you're traveling with animals? Um, the regulations are pretty much the same. Um, being here in the state uh, of Florida, we're a rabies free state. And so it's a little easier before you leave the state because you don't have to do as much veterinary work with the pigs if you stay in the state. But as soon as you cross over state lines, it's a whole nother ball game because you have to prove that they're healthy for the other states that you're entering or coming back into our own home state. It's really, really, really strict. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're constantly doing vet care in a sense of we have to draw blood every 30 days, every 30 days from every pig we have, we have to draw wow. blood from, it has to be tested, even though there's been no case of rabies since swine in, in like, I don't remember like 63 years or something crazy like that. Yeah, um, but you don't want to be the first. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But it's just funny. Some of the rules are like, what? Um, yeah. And then when it comes to like, when we get to an event, we're getting inspected by the state vet. We're getting inspected by uh, United States Department of Agriculture. Um, we, we have constantly everywhere we go, we're getting inspected usually by multiple entities um, and for all different ranges of things, just from their health all the way up to their living facilities to where their food is kept and how it's kept. And it's just, all, it's funny. It's the same with the food vendors at these fairs. 
people, sometimes the general public will make comments or something about, oh, they're traveling and it being dirty. A restaurant only has to be inspected twice a year, I think, in most states. Traveling food vendors are inspected every single week, everywhere they go for everything, sometimes multiple times in that week. You can't eat somewhere cleaner than a food vendor at the fair. Like, you can't. But it's kind of the same with us. It's true. It's like a zoo. Yeah, folks don't don't realize that stuff that they they equate it to every day is usually not inspected and, and necessarily kept as clean as the stuff that they're dealing with that they think isn't they kind of have it backwards but all we can do yeah. is educate the public on that now when you all are on the road are you guys hiring staff to help you or is this strictly a family affair um over the years my dad has had help here and there um to help out with taking care of the animals or setting up and tearing down because we do have a larger show um look decent amount of large equipment but we I think it's easier sometimes to not have to hire anybody. I say easier until it's the summer and we're doing closing on Sunday and opening on Tuesday and driving 300 miles. But um, no, I don't know. One less person to worry about. And we know exactly how we want things and where we want it to go. I think the difficulty was I had my son almost three years ago. And so that first year after he was born, the year he was born, we had some family members that came out and kind of helped out. But the following year, um, it was just the two of us and my son and Evan drives, drives a semi and I follow in the car. And that was a lot. That was a lot for us to, to set up and tear down and drive and do the shows and have a newborn and get that schedule together. But also that's what, that's what my family's done for nine generations. So, right. you know, like, eh, so you kind of incumbent on you to keep things going. <laughs> got to keep it rolling along. No, but it's not that bad. Uh, it is just us. Sometimes it's difficult, but I don't know. It's a nice, we work well together and yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to word it. We're, we're a good little team. The, the three well, of us. You just, when you're a well-oiled machine like that, it's almost like when you bring somebody else in from the outside, it disrupts everything. Yeah. It makes it difficult and you have to reteach things and it's a hard life. And a lot of people don't understand that. And unless you get somebody else who's from our industry, who's already busy, no, nobody from our, well, maybe right now, somebody would be willing to help. Right. Hence why I'm down here at Okeechobee helping Kyle. Cause he called me like yeah. a month ago and goes, Hey, my guy had to, had to bow out. Uh, are you available? And I'm like, That's Kyle, true. have been, you looked I've at my hu- schedule? <laughs> yes. I'm I've available. been hustling my heart out. I was in a pretzel stand two weeks ago. Do what yeah. you gotta do. It, it, but, it's, um, it, it's a really weird time. Let's talk about that, though, briefly about 2020. Let's go back to this time last year, mid-March. Entire event industry goes off the rails. I think you guys, if I remember, you guys would, would have been probably at Sarasota at that point. Correct. So um, first, uh, I took over the business um, from my dad. Uh, I worked it for him for a couple of years, but then I, I took it over in 2000. 19 uh, but I had ran it for three years prior to that uh, with my dad still having ownership of it so he had retired <laughs> I'm doing quote, air quotes for can't air be a quote lot of retired <laughs> um and he had he had retired and he was he was done and he was burnt out of the business and all these things well then right about the year that I actually took it over he had been home for three years and he was like I think I miss doing what I've done my entire life. So we built a second unit. Um, So he would have actually been in Sarasota 
And that was, I got to tell you, that was devastating. So I had just worked Osceola County Fair in Kissimmee last year. That's the only fair I worked last year was, was in February in Kissimmee. Um, And my dad does Sarasota. That's, that's his Florida fair. And he, uh, he was there, he was set up. Uh, my, My younger brother travels with him. So they were together there. They got all set up. Their showtime was a little funny. It was 15 minutes after the gates opened. And my dad usually starts announcing pre-show about quarter till. So, you know, if they open at two, he's doing announcements at two until 2.15. And they had been told, yeah, we're going to open. We're going to open. We're going to open. It's fine because it's private property. It's not owned by the county or whatever. So they're like, we can open. At the time, nobody still really understood what was happening. It was just kind of like, who's canceling? Who's not? Oh, it's not a big deal. Yes, it is. And so he was... uh. He was all ready to do the show, did his first two announcements. Apparently in the same time at the gate, all kinds of things were happening where the county was pulling the EMS from the grounds. So without EMS, you're not allowed to run an event. Right. And so that was causing the fair to then have to close. But my dad doesn't know any of this. He did his first show <laughs> to nobody because nobody showed up. Him not knowing they weren't, he, you know, the they pulled the plug after gates. He just thought that that there was nobody there because the show was so close to the opening of the fairgrounds. In reality, they never opened. So he did his first show while the fair was closed and he had no idea. It's just it was practice. Like a practice. It's just practice. Exactly. It's a, you know, um, and he's like, that's so weird that nobody showed up at all. He's like, there was like two, two guys from the carnival that came and watched the pigs go around. But I, I don't know. He called me right after. I don't understand. And it wasn't 20 minutes later. Somebody called him and was like, hey, Wayne. Um, we didn't open and he's like what what do you mean we didn't open i didn't show but <laughs> it's the training run training run <laughs> yeah. that was it but no yeah, that I was know, terrible i know that so many fairs just got shut like miami was in the same situation you know they were about 30 minutes from opening their gates and and they got yeah. shut down and you said you didn't race at all then after that so after after sarasota this year 2021's osceola run was the first time you got you were out again Correct. How'd that feel being back out? I mean, it was amazing to work again. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. The opening day was like, I don't, how do I, what do I, how do I say, what do I do? How do I, it was bad. No, um, it was really great. Uh, I will say that, you know, last year we did Kissimmee and then everything happened and we, I think the most difficult part that was the most stressful aside from not having any income was the fact that all year until about September, everything was touch and go. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Every fair, every fair, all, and I'm sure you dealt with the same thing all season was, are you guys going to have your fair? Well, we think we are, but we're not sure. And we want to, and I think we're going to be open by then. And we're trying to get this permit. And so we were holding on and holding on and holding on and holding on. And that was the most stressful thing I think I've ever endured because I couldn't even focus on doing something else at home because I, I couldn't commit to anything in case yep. we had to go to work. So that was, I don't know, you know, my, yeah, I remember my when whole... I, when I spoke with Jeremy Parsons, he felt up in Clay County, Iowa, he felt the same way because they were quasi open. And so mm-hmm. he would have to furlough staff for like, three weeks or a month and then be like, Oh, we actually kind of have part of an event. So come on. And the, Oh, now we got it. It was so difficult for him. Cause it was this back and forth. It was the limbo. I feel so bad for all the fairs that had to furlough people legitimately for, 
but there's something to be said. And we dealt with the same thing with, with my wife, with Sarah, with the public schools, there's something to be said for a definitive decision, whether it's a good or bad decision, whether we yeah. like the results or not, definitive is good. Cause then people like you had, you known we're done for the year. You're not coming back out to Osceola. You might've been able to go do another job or go do something else and generate revenue mm -hmm. and put the pigs behind you here for a little bit. But yeah. that, that limbo is a tough place to be. Yeah, it was, it was difficult. I mean, we made it through it. I think it's crazy because my entire life, I've never seen anything like this in our industry and my dad's entire life and my grandfather who lives down the road from me. That's all we ever talk about when we get on the, the subject is that it's so mind blowing for our industry specifically to not be able to run. There's been so many things throughout the years, so many crazy things in the country that have happened that it, most industries plummeted and we just kept going on. Entertainment continued to happen. You know, it's, it's almost embarrassing to say, but I remember in the beginning of when the pandemic started before we kind of realized how serious it was, serious it was rather, we were talking about, man, the housing market's going to be so low when we get home from the season this year because of normal people's jobs. We're going to be able to get like a property because um, we still winter at my grandfather's place. I was like, we're going to be able to get a property at a really good price because we're going to work all season. And we're going to come home with money. And then we didn't work either. It's just, it wasn't something I ever fathomed right. because I've never known of it happening. And I'm nine generations. Nobody's ever talked about, oh, well, that one year that the whole country shut down and we couldn't work. It's just never happened for us. So yeah, that was it, it was unexpected. It was yes. Unexpected is the good way to put it. <laughs> um, I, I certainly think um, personally, I could be wrong. Obviously the virus is pretty serious. And for those people who get it, especially if you're in a vulnerable, vulnerable population has having devastating consequences. I, I think last year, and I've said it before, a lot of what we saw on TV was just antagonized because it was an election year. And I think there was some of it that was politicized and, you know, it was real amazing. Our, uh, in New Mexico, it, how quickly things started to change after Biden took the oath of office and we have a blue governor. Not saying that that's exactly what the deal was, but it's just an observation that all of a sudden things started to relax. And uh, that the sad thing is in the middle of a pandemic is when it shouldn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, your politics shouldn't matter. It should matter about saving lives and, and keeping people safe. But you can't help but notice the way things have gone across the country is now we have a new president. And, oh, hey, we should open. As we all <laughs> as we all stare and go, mm -hmm. yeah, now we should. Yeah. Got it. And speaking of that, Florida has reopened. Um, yes. You're on the road but again. Did we ever really close? No, I'm just, that's a joke. I'm <laughs> well, just I don't know. Listening to the news, it sounds like it was a party the whole time down here. <laughs> Beyond Florida. So we know that you're, you're, your next run is what, Clay County? Yes, yes. Yes. Yep. So I'll be, I'll see you up there. Cause I'm helping Kyle out with that also. Um, okay. Cool. Beyond Florida, what does your 2021 look like? Are you, do you have any cancellations or are you hopeful moving forward? So it's real weird right now uh, for a loss of better words. You know, we, we did Aussie. I think the fairs are kind of waiting to see what happens down I'm here in Florida and I, I keep Completely. mentioning Kissimmee, 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 but that's all I have to go with for the last year and a half is Osceola. Uh, we just, you know, Kissimmee is really good about their research. And so before they open this year, 
they were really looking at the numbers in the area over the last two months or whatnot. And then they had the fair and they looked at the numbers after and over the time, the two weeks of the fair happened until the two weeks after the numbers progressively went down in their county. And they had, I feel, I don't know for sure the numbers, but I feel like attendance was pretty on par for every year. We've been there for, I think, 12 years in a row in Kissimmee. So I have a general idea of what the crowd usually looks like. It was pretty much the same. So I think that everybody's just kind of, I don't know how to word it, snowball effect, kind of watching. Oh, they did. Okay, let's do. Oh, now we're going to yes. do it. Oh, no, we're going to yep. do it. And I think so far, it's been like that everywhere that's happened. So I'm hoping for the best. When it comes to the route and promises and contracts, all of my dates have sent in their dates, uh, their actual dates right. of their event. I don't have a lot of signed contracts yet because a lot of my work is in New York um, in the summer. And so they're, so they're waiting. waiting on waiting on permitting and whatnot. But they're literally just like, hey, hang tight, because as soon as we get a yes, like we're happening. I don't yep. have any fairs yet that have said, hey, we're not going to have a fair this year. I don't have one cancellation for my normal route. Yeah. So right now, I'm fingers crossed. Crossing fingers. For the best. Yeah, I agree. And most of the fairs that we've spoken with, a lot of my fairs are in what we a lot of us last year were calling not free states. And so <laughs> a lot of them were saying probably, yes, we yes, we're going to roll you over, but the contract probably won't come until 60 to 90 days out just because yeah. that's a, that's kind of where their hard deadline is, where they either have to move or not move. Yeah. So um, I know OC Fair, when I spoke with Michelle Richards, she's talking about mid to late April. So probably I'm guessing the next 30 days we'll know on OC, but since Disneyland has now been given and the theme parks have been given an opening plan, um, Disneyland has announced an opening date of April 30th. So I think if Disneyland's opening, my gut feeling is OC will be able to pull the trigger and go. It may not look, it may not be fully open. They may be restricted to so much, you know, a percentage of attendance, but my gut feeling is they will be open. And I really hope they are because that's five weeks of my summer. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I really, <laughs> no. I don't know if anybody else has had a rough year financially, but I think uh, I could definitely use OC fair opening. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, I think everybody's kind of for the most part in the same boat. Um, you know, I, I'm really hopeful more towards the beginning of the year. I wasn't as optimistic. I was a little more like, you know, I'm kind of prepared for another year of this. We're going to yeah. need to figure else, something else out. Uh, my husband's been truck driving uh, with our semi truck for a company now for a few months. Thank goodness he has a CDL because with our yeah. overhead and and whatnot like a normal well that truck's little... not making that tractor's not making any money when it's parked you gotta yeah. have it out on the road yeah and a nine to five job or something like waiting tables or something like that isn't going to pay the overhead that we have even though we're sitting dead at home i still have a lot of a lot of bills so and they're large scale because of what we do you know right but um yeah thank goodness he's been able to drive but it's still it's not it's not in the same bracket so it's, it's, everything's been really tight and I just hope we can get back to normal because it's, I'm I over think it's it. Coming. And, and I, I, it's my, everything in me is like, we've been home too long. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've related it this way with a lot of people on the show. I am an extrovert and I like being out with people. I like, you know, doing my show. I like connecting with people. 
And it was physically painful for a lot of months last year, sitting at home, being told, don't go out. You're not essential. You don't matter. Physically painful. And in that time, and thinking about what other people were going through, I was like, you know, I wonder if introverts, if this is how they feel when they go to social events and people are like, oh, come on, it's just a party. It's no big deal. Come on out, be social. And then they have to flip to the other side of that they're not comfortable with. I'm like, I will never tell an introvert it's no big deal again. (laughs) I have so much respect for what they go through in social situations because now that being an extrovert, I've been locked down. I'm like, I'm dying to get out. I mean, when Kyle was like, you know, hey, can you come help me with Max? Um, You know, and it's, it's, uh, he's like, I know it's a long way down there. I can fly you in. And I'm like, no, I want to drive. And he's like, like, you want to drive, you want to drive from New Mexico to Florida just to do these couple affairs. And it's not like I'm getting paid my full, you know, Condor fortune machine money. I'm getting paid assistant money. And I'm like, no, 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 I want to (laughs) drive. I need to get out on the road. (laughs) So, yeah. Yes, it was one of those things I learned about myself as well. I love being home. I love being home in increments. I like being out. I need to get out and travel. I realize how important the process of getting to the fairs, the the drive is for me. Um, I'm curious if there's anything in the last year you've learned about yourself in dealing with all these challenges. Um, Yeah, I think (laughs) that I... I've always known I was a really social person, but this year I'm like, man, I'm a really social person. I think I've spent more time on, on FaceTime and on the phone in this year than I have in my entire life put together. Cause I ached for that like social interaction, which granted we had it a lot better than some other people in a sense of a social sense, because we, like I said, we stay at a winter quarters cause we're usually only home for two and a half months. So right. we don't have a property yet. And Um, There are a few other families on the winter quarters that we can spend time with. And so that's been nice because especially for my son, I think more than anything is he's three and a half and there's six other kids on the property. So I feel so deeply for people that weren't that lucky that had to stay in their home, just themselves with their child for month after month, after month, after month. And the kid got no social interaction. So I'm complaining like, oh, it was so hard and we're home and we couldn't go in. But in reality, you know, there was 15 of us and five kids and they could play every day. And so I don't yeah. know, I shouldn't complain as much, yeah. but. Well, everybody's, no, everybody's coming at this from a different place, you know, and it's the, the yeah. way you get through it is you just got to be empathetic and respectful and know that everybody's looking at this at a different angle. We were one of those families that it was Sarah, Nate and I. And um, for a little while, they're like the the kids that Nate would play with in the neighborhood. Their parents were like, no, 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 six feet away. You can't be to get, you know, and it's like they're kids. You know, what, how do you tell kids? That's what we're finally reopening schools effective April 5th in Albuquerque. And, you know, there's a big hubbub over. Well, how do we keep the kids six feet apart? And I just want to be the one that the adult that stands up and says, you know what? You don't. Yeah, you don't. You tell them wear a mask, wash your hands you know, don't share cups, <laughs> all the typical things you would do to keep them healthy. Normally, Don't be like, here, this is really good root beer. Try it. And then don't, that's it. And then you let kids be kids. The yeah. end. Oh, but they're all going to get COVID and die. No, they're not. No, they're not. You've been telling us, uh, you know, the teachers unions are funny because I listened to them on the board meetings on the public comment. And they've been saying, we don't want to come back until every teacher and every student is vaccinated we need to listen to the science and i'm like 
hey, genius, the science says nobody 16 and under is getting this vaccine. So get your shot, get poked in the arm and go back to class and get the kids aye, back aye, in aye. school. So yeah, we shall no, see what happens true. moving forward. Listen, I really appreciate you being on the show today. We're just about out of time. Before we go, everyone oh, no. who comes on, the, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. <laughs> oh, no. I was, I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> this is when I know people are actually starting to listen to the show because I'm interviewing them and they're like, yeah, I know the speed round. It's coming. All right. Speed round questions. Six quick questions. You give me your best answer for each. Are you ready, Pamela Rosaire? I'm as ready as I'll be. <laughs> Question number one. Favorite fair food? Oh. Oh, that's a speed round, right? I'm supposed to just top of my head. I can't do that. You are oh, breaking this thing tricky. already. I know. It's already ruined. This is going to be a video clip right here. <laughs> Perhaps I should ask you an easier question. How do you like your bacon? <laughs> that is easy. <laughs> crispy or, or not crispy on your bacon? Oh, not crispy. No, 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 no. Is, no, that, no, a no, 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 is no. that a bad question to ask a pig racer? <laughs> Listen, we're not supposed to use the B word, but you don't know that, so it's okay. <laughs> bacon, um, bacon. Yeah, you know, I just because I enjoy bacon doesn't mean I don't love my pigs. I would never <laughs> eat my pigs, okay? I'll eat somebody else's. Right. Um, no, for real, favorite fair food, kettle corn, gyros, funnel cake. Does that count? Not together. Perfect. <laughs> oh god no although it's the fair maybe they could put those together next oh, question if you could have a guest role on any television show past or present what show would you be a guest on don't look at me with your eyes wide open like that like oh my god um this, this is gonna show my 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 age maybe um Maybe like Sabrina the Teenage Witch back in the day when I was a kid. Today, I have no idea. We'll take it. Name an <laughs> occupation you would be in if you weren't racing pigs. Wedding <laughs> planner and or some type of like business or event coordination. Well, okay. You'd be an event planner. Got it. Yeah. You get stuck in an elevator and you have to listen to only one song. Which song would it be? And she did the dance too. She did the dance. When you travel, which you do on a typical year very often, what's one item you absolutely must have with you? Some type of camera. Some type of camera. Last question. Yeah. And it's the big one. I won't always have those memories in my head. Okay. Of course. I get it. I'm, I'm 41. I promise you, you will not always have the memories in your head. They will go away. Name, name your first celebrity crush. Uh, um, Aaron Carter. You are so young. And does Evan know, does Evan know this about Aaron Carter, the crush? I don't know. It was before I met him, I think. So I'm maybe going not, to tell him maybe. when I see him in Clay County. I mean, She's got I mean, a thing not for Aaron anymore. Carter. When I was 13, maybe not now. Oh. That's a whole new world. Oh, so before he became like the bad boy and ended Oh, wait, or was that his brother? Yeah. Aaron, no, Aaron was the one that got in trouble and ended up in jail, I think. Yeah, later on. He looked Yeah, later different. on. It's, yep. He kind of, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you asked me my first crush. I was quite young. <laughs> I'll take it. 
Pam, listen, it's been terrific chatting with you. If folks want to reach out and chat with you about Rosaire's Royal Racers, how can they get in contact with you? Um, probably Facebook is probably what I'm the most responsive on. Um, just Rosaire's Royal Racers. We also have Instagram and then the website, um, www. Do you still say www? I don't know. You, you really uh, don't R- have to. Everybody knows. R- it's 2021, R- R- we know. RRRacers.com. RRRacers.com. Pamela Rosaire from Rosaire's <laughs> Royal Racers. Good luck out there. I'm looking forward to seeing you at Clay County here in a few weeks. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit RobertSmithPresents.com.